Hey everyone, this is Kyle Wildner Higney, your host for the Outcomes Rocket Pharma Podcast. Today, I have the distinct pleasure of welcoming Rajesh Manglani to the show. Rajesh leads pharmacy product strategy reporting for Cigna Integrated Medical. In this role, Rajesh specializes in the ideation and evaluation phases of the product lifecycle. His focus is on net new ideas and offerings, as well as pharmacy innovation that strengthens Cigna's integrated value proposition. He has over 20 years of experience across product management, product strategy, and M&A. He joined Cigna from Nuance Communications, where he was the director of strategy and new business development for their healthcare division. In this role, he was responsible for all aspects of Nuance Healthcare's growth strategy. This included forming long-term strategy based upon analysis of healthcare industry trends, identifying M&A opportunities, and owning the innovation portfolio. Rajesh earned a bachelor's degree in electronics engineering from Mumbai University and an MBA from the Cornell University with a concentration in finance. He lives and home offices in Massachusetts with his wife and two daughters. Thank you, Rajesh, for joining the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Kyle. So, Rajesh, maybe to you know kick things off and introduce yourself to the listeners, I'd love it if you could just tell us about yourself and maybe what drew you to working in the pharmaceutical value chain. First of all, uh, again, thank you so much for having me on your show. As we've talked about before, I've taken a rather long and roundabout way to get to where I am. If I think about my career today, I, I think of it in three acts. And first act was, was your standard engineering arc. So programmer, engineering manager, engineering director, and so on. Did that for about nine years. Stopped, went back to school full time. Did a short stint at Wall Street for about two or so years, purely on investment management. So private equity, private debt for renewable energy. And then 2008 happened, and I happened to enter healthcare just by chance. And I always joke that if you'd asked my 10-year-old self, when you grow up, would PBM or pharmacy or electronic prescribing uh, be something that you'd be excited about? I don't think the answer would be yes. But if you ask me today, is there anything else I'd rather do other than healthcare and healthcare innovation? The answer is no. This is the only thing I want to do. One last thing about my uh, background, I always talk about it in, in three acts. And my wife is always quick to point out that a, a standard, typical Shakespearean play is five acts, which is her um, nice way of telling me that I'm kind of over the hill. <laughs> I haven't chalked up the courage to ask her if it's a tragedy or a comedy so far. That's TBD. But that, that's, that's my background. Oh, I love that. And, and thank you for giving that overview. You know, I'd be interested to meet the 10-year-old that gets excited about pharmacy benefit managers and the, <laughs> and the pharmaceutical <laughs> value chain. That'd be quite the uh, interesting 10-year-old, but maybe we'll have them on the show. Well, that's great. And so one thing that I'd love to understand a little bit more, specifically kind of in your current role, what are you most excited about and kind of how do you think about the impact that you have? So it's a great question, right? I mean, I want to start at the broadest picture, right? You, you sit down and you look at healthcare and you look forward and say, what are the big forces that are impacting healthcare? What do they, what's, what's cause, going to cause change? And the way I think about it is two or three things. One, 
front and foremost innovation. And it could be I'm myopic and this is the world that I live in. But I truly believe, so for example, pharmacological innovation, right, represents the next decade of future of healthcare, if you ask me. Think about it in terms of specialty medication, vaccines, I mean, the mRNA vaccines, gene therapies. I mean, you could think about them in terms of curative or coping medications, right? So innovation, digital health innovation, another piece of it. The other part from the three big forces is we're really starting to get a better understanding of the connection between uh, mental and physical health and how the environment, so we call them social determinants of health, how that shapes and affects the person's overall health, right? And we're really starting to focus on that. And finally, the pandemic has played some part in it is the rapid changes to how care is accessed, right? How care is being democratized, if you may, right? So these are the three big pictures, right? So that's what's happening. So let's talk about within that context, the company that I work for, Cigna. And if you look at our latest Wall Street messaging or the, the way we've crafted our vision, it's growth with purpose, right? And so what does that mean? We, we focus on three big tasks for our clients, for our customers, which is to make healthcare affordable, predictable, and simple, and very deliberately using these words. So I'm going to talk about affordability for a minute. Everyone wants affordable healthcare, right? So what does that really mean when, when someone like Cigna talks about affordable healthcare? For one, we've committed to delivering sustainable, uh, both medical and pharmacy trend at or below CPI level over time, right? Which is a big commitment. And, and here's how we're thinking about it, like three or four ways of thinking about it. Number one is how do we think about the end-to-end -end clinical solutions? So remember how we talked about thinking about the whole person? So when you think about the whole person, you, you think about the end-to-end -end clinical solutions for them, right? So early behavioral lifestyle interventions help individuals either stay healthy in the first place or lower the risk of becoming sick. Second, if they do need help, find effective sites of care for them. So timely, cost-effective access to virtual care, digital tools, remote monitoring. Third, if they do need to go see a doctor, help them identify the highest quality medical professionals, right? So high-performing providers. And finally, lowering costs for them. So drug costs is an example. So we talked about the big forces that are shaping healthcare within that house, sickness position that itself. So what excites me, my particular fear of influence, which is the integrated pharmacy. Again, these are 8 million people, 8 million lives that get both medical and pharmacy benefits through, through us. And how do we focus on keeping them healthy? And there's so much to, to unpack there, but, but that's what excites me. No, that's, that's fantastic. Thank you for kind of running us through uh, kind of that overview. You know, the integrated pharmacy, that's something that seems so critical, right? Because if you're just looking at medical expense or just pharmacy expense, you don't have the whole picture. So how can you even, even approach kind of addressing the patient holistically, right? Yeah, totally. And I was just going to say, add one small point to that, right? What you just talked about. So one thing is medication. Yeah. But if you, and then these are not my statistics, and your CDC statistics. 60% of adult patients in the U.S. are prescribed some medication. 11% of them don't fill it, right? Out-of-pocket costs or high costs, the primary reason. So how do, you, how do you help them there, right? So this is yep. not just health. 
Another CDC statistic, it's, and I may not be exact on the number, but about 80% or so of the people don't have the health literacy to actually manage their own care, right? So about 12 to 15% of the people actually have the health literacy, can read the, and can follow directions and, and take care of their own health. So how do you help them? And again, this is not about just getting them the right drug, or even from from a medical and pharmacy perspective, not just about you know the, some of the things that we talked about, but it's, it's looking at the whole patient. How do we make sure they have access to the health literacy? How do we make sure they have access to some of the medicines? And, and how do we help them make it affordable and, and make it simple for them and then make it predictable? Sure. From a patient's perspective, right? I mean, all of those items that you you highlight, affordable, predictable, easy to access, it makes so much sense. I'd love to hear kind of specifically, how does Cigna differentiate compared to other companies? How do you guys kind of view that, whether it's in these three dimensions or some other way? Yeah, let's build on that. So first, let's talk about our clients, right? Our clients and our customers. They have been through, I mean, understatement, right? They've been through unprecedented challenges like no other time in recent history, right? And again, me saying this, and again, it's probably an understatement. Not only has it disrupted the way our clients have done business, it's disrupted the way they engage with their employees who are the end customers for us, right? And if you look at the employees themselves and their families, they've been tremendously affected, not only physically, financially, but also emotionally and socially, right? So to bring that point home, in just the first few months of the pandemic, we saw about 30% increase in prescriptions for anti-anxiety medications, about 20% for antidepressants. Now, I may be off a percentage point here and there, but that should tell you something, right? So let's talk about Cigna Pharmacy. We work with our clients, again, that, like us, believe in the power of connected benefits. Right, meaning you, not only just pharmacy, but also pharmacy and medical, and, and pharmacy, medical, behavioral, and wellness. Right, integrating that to improve customer health indicators. Right, like medication adherence or engagement right. in coaching programs. So, so what does that mean? To give you an example, when customers call Cigna, whether it's on the main number or they call the Cigna Pharmacy about their prescription. We'll do is we'll use our integrated data to alert our reps, care managers to to help close an important gap in care. So suggest alternative medication like generics if needed, if that can help them save some money, or to guide them to a wellness or mental health counseling if needed. All all part of their benefit, right? All part of our plan to help the the whole person. You know, and, and then it's nice and fine to say that, oh, we're doing this for we don't do this alone. We work closely with providers, nurses, doctors, specialists, right? Then then that's the network of pharmacists team, and I should miss that. So the other thing is, so one is when the patient calls us. The other part of it is during a medical appointment, when our customers are sitting across from a doctor and the doctors are sitting there taking notes in their laptop and maybe they're, they're submitting a prescription, we make sure that they can see the actual medication covered on the plan, right? Real-time pharmacy benefits. They can see if the drug is, is covered, is there a generic alternative, is there a therapeutic alternative, if our home delivery pharmacy can save money and offer a 90-day supply. So again, it, it's all these touch points and all these touch points because of the data integration and because of the benefit integration. Right. And it's really blending kind of the 
innovative data solutions with uh, high quality healthcare services or like care. You know, it's it's the yeah. combination. I feel you have so much what's going on in in healthcare today. You have some of these startups that are, that are only focused in on uh, you know providing some new app or kind of some new data that feedbacks to a healthcare provider. But it's really the the combination of the two, right? It's the it's the innovation on a technical front with high quality care and a strong network like uh, what Cigna has that allows high quality service. I guess I have one kind of question for you is, you know, when you're thinking about, you know, where the pharmaceutical value chain, and really I just say that kind of everything encompassing or touching pharmacy, what kind of are you most excited for in the future? I know there's tons of challenges and, and change with, you know, some of these specialty medications and gene therapies, but what are you kind of looking forward to in the next five, 10 years? So let's talk about what excites me for now, right? So if you think about the pharmaceutical marketplace, and, and I'll talk about that, but then I want to broaden it to you know the whole health. It's always active, good thing, but it can be expensive, right? What I'm excited about is that more and more there are options for our customers and our providers, right? Typically, multiple drugs that are used for the same condition, same outcomes, right? Not just generics. You probably know this better than I do about there are branded alternatives. And we'll take every opportunity to tell our customers, our providers about these options as often as we can online through coaches, providers, right? So let's, let's bring that home. And let's talk about people that are managing diabetes. And, you know, one of the things that I should have mentioned earlier when you'd ask, you know, why healthcare? One of the things that I always think about is every person I meet that I work in healthcare it's personal for them. It's a unique industry in that everybody either is already an active user or will be, right? So this is personal for us. So let's talk about diabetes. Genetically, I come from a part of the world where we're predisposed to get diabetes. It runs in the family. So let's talk about the U.S. The numbers in the U.S. are alarming. 34.2 million Americans, if I am not mistaken, living with diabetes. One in five Americans, I still have a hard time believing this, but one in five Americans have diabetes. Many are undiagnosed, right? Which means they may be having symptoms, but they haven't seen a doctor or they haven't gone for a regular blood work. And this is even prior to the pandemic. So let's think about diabetes. The average annual cost for insulin is about $5,700, right? Give or take. And, and about one in four people will ration their insulin because it costs. The issue with that is in the short term, first of all, they're not taking care of their health. But in, in the near term or longer term, it increases their health risk. It increases the potential for ER visits and hospitalization. And so, so when, what does that mean for us? We'll take every customer interaction, we'll try to make it count, right? When they call us or we call them, is always an opportunity to discuss more than just their drug, right? And we talked right. about cost, how can we help them? If Cigna introduced patient assurance program, I, I think 2019, to reduce out-of-pocket costs, certain drugs like insulin by an average of 40%, right? And then our, our goal was to offer a 30-day supply for just $25. So remove that cost as a barrier for people. And ultimately, health and medication decisions are between a doctor and patient, right? Yep. We, we, we truly believe that. What I'm excited is, is that 
there are choices on where to get care, what medications to take. Our plan is to provide all of these options in the most convenient, compelling way to our customers and the providers they're seeing so that there is no surprise at the pharmacy counter, as you say. And it sounds like, too, you're not only providing options, but also information data to help with that health literacy that you were touching on earlier, right? So enabling the customer to make an informed decision. Yeah, I was just going to say that people don't see their medical care and medications and mental health as disparate, right? It may be different benefit plans, but they don't see it differently. Um, They see it connected and they expect us and their employer to see it that way too. And this is where when a little bit of a soapbox, employers separate benefits to different carriers, it does have an impact. And again, I, I know I'm saying that because I'm on the integrated medical and pharmacy side of the house. But here's an example, right? If a customer qualifies for health coaching and they call our home, our home delivery to ask about their drugs, right? The, the Vismo call, where is my order called? We can bring them to a health coach if we have that data, like you said. And that, a coach can screen them for certain distress, certain other issues, right? Because of that data integration, because of that benefit integration. So again, it does have a impact, right? Um, Another thing that we, and I'll briefly touch on this, is if you think about bad actors, right? Doctors writing prescriptions for a customer or that customer has no relationship with that doctor, you know, we can step in and investigate if we have that end-to-end viewpoint. And we do. That's fantastic. And so, yeah, as you think about where industry is today, and especially from your role, kind of what are the biggest challenges that you are facing today and and kind of what keeps you up at night? Yeah, I'm going to go back to cost for a minute, right? Pharmacy is currently the number one driver of healthcare costs, right? 66% of that is due to specialty medication. These are drugs that treat rare and chronic conditions, as you know, um, like MS, like uh, rheumatoid arthritis, cancer. Let's talk about cancer for a second. These are often injected or these drugs are often injected or infused by a medical professional. Not only are specialty drugs expensive and growing rapidly, but patients who use them typically require complex clinical management, so multiple uh, comorbidities, right? The good part of it is advances in drug therapy allow many patients with conditions treated by specialty drugs to live decades longer. And I'll give you a personal example here. So my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, died of leukemia in her mid-50s. And it wasn't even that long ago, right? About 30 years back or 25 to 30 years back. And, and again, if you think about it today, this wouldn't happen, right? These advances in drug therapy, repeating myself, will allow patients to live decades longer. But then there's a cost to it, right? So how do you think about about making it, again, making it affordable, making it predictable for our customers. Yeah. Most specialty drugs don't have genetic alternatives, right? So when you think about the options that I talked before, these options are limited for someone with a complex condition. But one way we help is by preferring biosimilars that are coming to market, right? These aren't generics in the same way that they're not chemically equivalent, yeah. but they are similar to costly specialty drugs in the market. So it's exciting that biosimilars are beginning to have a meaningful impact. But how do you make the adoption of that happen? Right. So when you think about making biosimilars the first-line treatment option, 
how do you move the needle on that? How do we create a plan that drives better affordability? How do we, again, going back to what I said earlier, right site of care, ensuring that our patients or our, our members or customers get the right treatment with the best outcomes at the, the best possible price? So how can we promote infusions in homes or doctor's offices or costly uh, places? And, and again, I'll just say this, you just can't treat one thing, right? You have to focus on all the conditions and, and mental health issues that can debilitate these customers. And also, it's just about making sure that they have access. So, so how, do you, how do you bring this all together? That's what you know, the, the work ahead is, so to speak. Yeah, you know, especially as pharmacy is the number one driver of costs, as you put it, with, you know, especially medications driving it. It really sounds like that right treatment, the right site, and the right price is really going to be key to, you know, making sure that as many patients can afford their medications and kind of get the help that they need. Yes, it is a balancing act. It is putting the customer or the patient first and looking at the whole person. Oh, that's fantastic. And so, you know, maybe to wrap things up, if you could give us a closing thought and the best place that listeners can reach out to you and collaborate with you. Again, as I said, we dove a little bit into pharmacy, but let me step back and zoom out a little bit, right? So there's one view of the world that's very Malthusian, right? Which says, oh, eventually there's just too many of us. We're all getting older sicker and costlier and there aren't that many resources. And to be honest, this is not in, in prior lives. I've looked at international markets. It's not just a US-specific problem. You, you look at UK or, or some of the other developed economies or, or even emerging economies like the Middle East. You do see this trend that we're all getting sicker, older, and it's going to get costlier to manage. Right? That's, that's one way of thinking about it. I completely reject that view, right? The way I think about it is this is an opportunity for us, right? To going back to what we've said, help patients stay healthy in the first place and make it easier for them and make the right connection between, you know, medical pharmacy, behavioral, mental health, social determinants of health. And and I'll I'll even take horrible as it has it has been the pandemic, I'll I'll take that as an example of how it has shaved off years and years of adoption curves for some of some technologies or some innovations, virtual health being one of them. So my closing thought is super optimistic about the future, super excited to be in this place, and I'm super excited to be in, a, in the environment or at a point in time where we're starting to make those connections and actually starting to use that connections to help. As to the other part of your question of how and when listeners can help, uh, collaborate with me, I, I believe the best place might be LinkedIn. So um, I'm at linkedin.com slash Ramlani, and um, yeah, that might be the best place to connect with me. Great. Well, Rajesh, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Have a wonderful day and hope to speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you.